today on the podcast, we have Adrian Sanders. Adrian is CEO and co-founder of ChargeHound. Adrian, welcome to the show. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. Adrian, we were talking a little bit just now before I began to record about how the world of payments, fintech, e-commerce has done quite well in the past year or so. Um, why don't you kick us off by just introducing us to your business? Tell us a bit about ChargeHound. Where does it fit into the market? What does it do? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely been a, a, a unconventional year to say the least. Um, and I can talk a little bit about who we are and what we do first uh, and before kind of getting into the the bigger trends, but uh, at ChargeHound, we we are basically a fully automated um, service for representing chargebacks. Um, and chargebacks, if you don't know, uh, are what happens when a consumer basically has a dispute over a credit claim, credit charge uh, for the merchant. Um, and these are sort of a, a huge uh, part of the financial transaction. Uh, landscape in the U.S., um, but it's growing in, in other parts of the world, including the EU, uh, just because more and more people are using credit cards. And traditionally, the way it's worked is that if you get a chargeback as a merchant, you know, the onus is on you to defend uh, what is considered a fraudulent claim. So I, as the cardholder, I'm calling up and saying, this pair of, you know, Adidas uh, shoes, uh, I never received them or I didn't certify this transaction. Uh, and, you know, so give me my money back. And you as a merchant need to defend yourself and say, actually, we delivered those shoes. Um, this was a, a rightful transaction and, you know, you deserve to, we deserve the money. And that process traditionally is super manual. It's a lot of filling out forms. It's a lot of collecting evidence and, you know, trying to prove to the issuing banks that, hey, this was a valid transaction. Um, and as sort of transactions online have risen pretty significantly, it's become very difficult to do that process manually. Um, and so ChargeHound, what we do is we step in and we're software and we automate the entire process. You don't need anyone to review it. You don't need anyone to put hands anywhere in the process. So you go from responding to you know, maybe a handful of these a day to being able to automate and respond to a quarter of a million of them, you know, in a minute for us, which is sort of like our higher end bandwidth. Um, so it's a radical transformation of a, a traditionally manual process in the fintech space. I love it. And a crucially important part of the, let's say, online shopping e-commerce jigsaw, a lot of bigger companies, they have whole teams um, ready to take this stuff on controllers of all sorts, but smaller e-commerce companies just getting into the business, they may not even realize that chargebacks are a thing or, or what a pain in the backside they could be. Do you find there's still a lack of kind of um, education uh, amongst smaller e-commerce players about the world and realities of chargebacks? Yeah, that's a really good point, Lewis. I think that the the way we sort of see it and ha have been sort of learning, you know, as, as a startup and as we grow and we're onboarding bigger and bigger merchants every year and more merchants, right? Um, there is a wide variety level of sophistication around how merchants understand chargebacks. And, you know, you would be surprised some major retailers, major e-commerce companies, major services companies that have been around for a long time they actually have a relatively unsophisticated approach because 
you know, maybe chargebacks were never that big of a problem for them, or maybe they just never found a good scalable way to solve that problem. And so they've just kind of written th that cost of business off, right? Um, and so, you know, again, to talk a little bit about 2020, some of those companies in the past where we've come to them and said, hey, you know, th this could be a, an issue or this could be something that you, you should look into. They might not have been interested, but in 2020, now all their volumes are migrating online, the number of chargebacks have gone up. And so they actually are looking for something that's more sophisticated. And even if they do have, again, a team in-house, like you said, they might have 35 people in-house. And, you know, if you're not responding to anywhere close to even 60% of your disputes with that team, um, and we're coming in and saying, you can move that entire team to something else and respond to 100% of the disputes, uh, that's a very, you know, very strong value proposition. So I would say that the sophistication of the merchant actually doesn't depend on the size of the merchant. It's really more about, you know, understanding what, what technologies are out there, what payment processors they're on. Are they on more of the legacy payment processors or some of the more, you know, cutting edge ones out there? Um, that definitely informs the merchant a lot, or, or at least speaks to us as to how they're thinking about the, the problem. So if a merchant, especially one with a large team that is supposed to be dealing with chargebacks, can instead outsource the whole problem to a company like Chargehound, it's, uh, it seems like a no-brainer to do it. What are some of the barriers larger companies might throw up to working with Chargehound rather than keeping it in-house? What are some of the things you have to sell against to, to get the business? Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty fascinating and um, it's an interesting exercise that we, we spend a lot of time with our AEs talking about is, um, you know, I, I liken this to sort of chargebacks are sort of the last mile of the, the, the payment stack in terms of technology, right? Everything else out there uh, in the payment stack is getting automated, right? Um, auth rates, you know, security, fraud, right? All these things, the, the payment processors have come in, other merchant or third-party vendors have come in, they've updated that stack. Chargebacks are kind of this, you know, piece that no one has really paid attention to. It's the last mile, no one cares about it. And so it's been stuck with these teams. And, you know, I think the way that, that when we come into that, they're like, when we pitch what we're doing, right, we're showing them our performance and we're showing them our cost modeling and our ROI. And it is so vastly better than what they're doing now. They, sometimes they don't believe it, right? Um, so one of the things early on was just, you know, pure FUD, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt that just, wait, you're telling me that you're going to come in, require no people to do this and be, you know, in some cases, 400 percent better right um and so a lot of times what we do with merchants like that is we're saying look let's just run a pilot right let's just a b test you know your current team versus versus us and and look at the cost modeling um but i also think that again i think that this sea change that's happened in 2020 with with um, payments tech you know is really forcing merchants to recognize economies of scale and places where they need to drastically reduce operational complexity. And we talk about operational complexity a lot because we're looking at merchants competing, merchants, you know, going after market share and the things that slow them down often are operational complexity, right? If you, if it takes you 20 times as many people, right? 
uh, and processes to do the same thing that your competitor does with no people in one process, right? The lag on your customer service, the lag on your revenue, all these things, right? It starts to really add up. And so I, what I would say is that historically, um, merchants have a sort of, you know, if, if chargebacks are either a, a house on fire problem and they need, you know, products like alerts or whatever, just make them go away for a month. Um, or they've tried to ignore it or roll it into cost. But now as technology is really pushing everyone to, you know, win on that razor's edge, right? And find that, you know, bleeding edge difference, um, the conversations have shifted dramatically. Um, so, uh, I, you know, I think in that regard, it's really more about how, how well are you adapting to the, the new future that we live in today? I think you make a very good point about how chargebacks, chargeback management has, for whatever reason, been a, a bit of a laggard in, ten, in terms of new companies coming up with solutions to, to automate it as compared to other areas of, of pay tech. And how in the last year, so many companies have been forced to go online. So the amount of chargebacks out there must have drastically shot up, which brings companies like yours more to the forefront. Um, paint for us a picture. What, what kinds of companies suffer more from chargebacks than others? There must be traditional kind of business models that don't get a lot of chargebacks and others that just accept that they're going to lose whole chunks of business. What are some of the companies that desperately need a good chargeback solution management company like yours to, to come in and, and rescue them? Yeah, I mean, definitely B2C, anything B2C, right, is, is typically has a larger footprint than B2B. Um, but I would, I would say that, you know, even B2B2C, things like, um, you know, people or companies reselling and, and selling, you, you know, website hosting and stuff like that, right? It's, it's kind of B2C in some ways. Um, you know, where we see a lot of value, where we can drive an enormous amount of value is obviously in e-commerce, right? Re traditional retail, um, but also places like booking, ticketing, events, right? Um, uh, digital goods, massive opportunities in digital goods. Uh, because again, here's, here's a way to think about it. If you have a team or here, here, let me give you a scenario. You you sell a digital service, some sort of digital goods, like a audio streaming or video games or whatever, right? Um, your transaction, your average order value is maybe, you know, 10 euro, $10, something like this. Uh, if you were to get, you know, a thousand disputes a month, that's like, you know, $10,000 or whatever. Um, probably not like a a huge, uh, you know, um, cash outlay. And so you might traditionally have sort of ignored this, right? You've just written it off. Um, or maybe you hired one person in the security and risk team or the customer service team or operations team, and they kind of look through these and find the big ones or find the ones that, you know, if they have a minute here or there, they can, they can sort this out. Um, and so the rest of that money is just like, you're just hemorrhaging it every month. You just lose that money. Well, let's say your game or audio service or whatever becomes a hit. And, you know, as you, as you can imagine with digital goods, right, you scale your growth uh, phenomenally when things work because you don't have any physical product to ship, right? If you add 20,000 or 50,000 transactions in a month, it doesn't really impact you operationally, right? Um, 
except for the chargebacks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you have this poor, you know, person, uh, and they're, you know, used to responding to 10 or 20 of these a week. And now there's like thousands of them a week, mm-hmm. right? And now you've gone from, you know, well, this costs us $10,000 a month. It's a hundred thousand, hundred twenty thousand dollar a year problem to, Hey, this is half a million or a million dollars. Right. Uh, and it's the, you know, the, the law of, of big numbers. Right. Um, and so this is, I think one of the things that makes ChargeHound so interesting is, well, you don't, you didn't really have a great process in place because you didn't need to, but now you need a process and it, and it can't be something that you can scale up over time and have learnings of with over time. So, now you just need to put software into place and we're the only software that automates it on the planet today. And so we come in and we can immediately deliver that value. To give you an example, we work with a bunch of ticketing companies at the height of, at the you know early onset of COVID, right? Ticketing companies, in some cases, we're seeing spikes of disputes. Sorry to interrupt, a former client of mine, um, head of fraud at Ticketmaster, um, used to work with um, him about six, seven months ago, and I did not envy the position he was in. It was a, a terrible time to be in such a position in, in such a company. Very, very hard months, but... Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, and so, you know, if you see a spike, you know, um, you're probably not going to handle that all in an optimal way using just people, right? Um, and the other piece of it is like, well, maybe you do outsource to other vendors and, you know, those vendors also have people. So uh, you, you don't really uh, solve the problem outsourcing to, to other vendors um, because they also have people. And so that, again, that lag, it's not, a, it's not a us versus them, it's really computers versus people, right? Computers should be solving these problems. These are, you know, problems that can be automated. So, and, and software should be doing it. Um, and so, again, I think this is kind of, what what companies sort of you know does does charge on really shine for it's companies that are growing fast companies that are consumer facing or companies that at massive scale um, because you know if we're able to in some cases for some of our largest merchants we're able to push a return of a quarter of a percent of gross revenue wow. per per annum right and so you can sort of imagine if you're a, you know, fortune 500 company, a quarter of a percent of gross revenue for this little piece of software is pretty good. Right. Um, so that's, that's, I think sort of the, for us, the, the places where we really shine. Berlin, we're here and ready for your hiring needs. After some short time considering it, we decided to set up business in Germany meaning we can be closer to clients and allow room for new business. We're set up and ready to help find your ideal candidates, help build teams, and offer up media services. People create networks. How do you strike a balance between um, protecting your your customer, the merchant, trying to solve it, its, its scaling chargeback uh, issue, and the customer, especially in a B2C situation, they, they've bought something online, they want to send it back and get their money back, it's fairly clear cut. Are you able to set it up so you can also make sure that the, the buying customer is kind of well taken care of, as well as your customer, the, the, the merchant making the sale? Yeah, sure. And I mean, I think like, right, at the end of the day, we're all people. And 
I know what it's like to buy from a, a merchant and have a bad experience, right? Um, it's New Year's, isn't it? So I, I bought a bunch of <laughs> healthy, healthy yeah. I won't mention the company, um, but I bought a bunch of um, yeah healthy greens, like um, protein. Yeah. And they threw a lot of New Year's bonuses in there, like vitamin D, like a year's supply of vitamin D, et cetera. And half of it's just not arrived. Yeah. Uh, now I've got to chase them down, et cetera. And you know, I'm one of hundreds of millions of people experiencing that this week. Right. Yeah. It's like, right. The Christmas, Christmas presents that arrive like January 14th or whatever. Right. Um, you know, so I think that, you know, we, we're human too. We understand that. And also right at the end of the day, that, that has an impact on the merchant too. Right. Um, and so there's a couple of things though, that you know, again, if you if you're not spending all of your time thinking about chargebacks, which I don't know why anyone would, <laughs> except for us, um, you know, I think that that's that is important to understand. The, the first thing is that chargebacks, the pro, the chargeback process is really um, it's a it's a it's a card network and issuing bank oriented process. It's not really it was never meant to be a customer service channel, right? It is, it is for unequivocally, it was designed for fraudulent transactions. I did not purchase this product. This was not me, right? Full stop, end of story. It's very easy to um, not, you know, to not fight those. We have, you know, sophisticated rule sets, uh, manual review queues, uh, you know, a, a lot of automation around decision-making that we've applied over, you know, millions of disputes at this point. Um, and so that, you know, those things are all there to help the merchant. But I think the bigger point I, I like to make is, you know, if you are relying on your chargebacks as a merchant, as a way of settling customer service, that is very dangerous. The, the, when a customer, think about when you dispute a, car, a, a charge with your bank, right? And the bank wins you your money back. Yeah. You're never happy with the merchant, right? You don't feel like the merchant like did anything for you. You feel like your card, you know, your whether it's Chase or right or whatever, RBS or whatever, that they, you know, that they went to bat for you. Um, and so what we tell merchants is it's very easy to set up refund processes, um, customer service processes, because we're automated, right? Because we have APIs and webhooks and stuff like this, we can more deeply integrate into your customer service flow so that you can actually engage with this customer immediately right and say hey we noticed that you filed a dispute you know can we get on the phone can we get on email or whatever and sort this out right because you don't want to lose control of um, your interaction with the customer ever as the merchant and when you rely on the chargeback uh, cycle and the, and the card network framework um, you you really do you put that in the hands of parties that don't care frankly what what, what happens to the merchant right and that customer experience, they just, they they want to act in the best interest of, you know, following the rules of the card networks or whatever. So uh, we tend to tell people, look, you know, you should really win all of as many of your chargebacks as you can. And then you should settle that refund through a customer service channel. There's nothing to stop you from winning this chargeback and then refunding the money on the front side. Um, and in fact, in most cases, that's what you should be doing anyways, because you know, every time you lose a chargeback, that's, you know, that's scored against you according to the card networks and the issuing banks. 
If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing in order to receive every episode as it's published. The fintech space is ever-changing, and we care about keeping you up to date with the latest happenings in this exciting space. If you wish to appear on the next episode of In Check with Fintech, please email podcast at teampcn.com. That's podcast at teampcn.com. Yeah, I think it's genius to turn chargeback management into um, a potential for a deepened customer relationship. Um, the merchants. Yeah, it's like a touch point, right? It's a touch point that that people don't think about because, again, it's sort of this forgotten piece, right? And that's, it, I think that's the whole thing with technologies. Technology makes all of these new touch points and new values and new extensions of what you can do with your or your customers possible, right? You wouldn't be able to do that with like 20 people filling out PDFs all day. No one wants to like immediately email someone right um and in a non-automated fashion and, and follow up on that stuff i see i did a bit of reading before the show and it looks like um charge are really taking off in terms of signing some some major new partners is it correct that you guys are now working with shopify and paypal Yes, so we and Amex um, actually, um, but we we do we we work with Shopify. Um, we also work with PayPal. PayPal is actually a, a strategic investor in Chargehound. Um, so so early on, I think you know they identified the value we were driving for some of their merchants on on Braintree platform. Um, you know, like companies like Hotel Tonight, etc. Um, and and we worked with them, and we basically said, look there's an opportunity to do this with PayPal claims, right? Um, not just, you know, credit card transactions. And so they got pretty excited about that. And that's what led to sort of a strategic partner and strategic investment. Um, so we're part of the inaugural PayPal Ventures portfolio. Um, and um, yeah, it's been amazing, right? We, we now can say we are the only third party vendor on the planet that fully supports PayPal claims, credit cards, and Amex out of the box, right? And so what that means is, you know, pretty much globally, if you sit on rails that we support, we cover you, you know, uh, top to bottom. That's incredible for a relatively young and small company. What, um, what accounts for that success, Adrian? I mean, I've known about a few chargeback companies for a while now. There's still a relatively small handful of chargeback companies, but there are a, a good few. How have you got Chargehound into such a position to be able to make make such a claim? Yeah, uh, I mean, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, at the end of the day, it, there, it's no stroke of genius. Um, it's definitely, uh, I, I play a small part in this. Uh, it's our team. Um, I think our product team is, our, our product team is definitely the best in our space by a, by a, by a landslide, but they're just for not phenomenal product people. And Again, it's sort of this relentless focus on technology. We're not trying to cut corners and solve problems with, you know, small hacks or, you know, have a hundred people in Barbados or Las Vegas or whatever, you know, secretly doing the work. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, again, how, how do we, how does a company that's, you know, fairly new, like you said, we're, you know, much younger company than anyone else in our space. How do we secure a partnership with PayPal? Well, we are fully SOC 2 compliant, right? We are fully, you know, GDPR compliant. And so 
that's not something other vendors can say because they, you know, employ people, you know, to, to touch all this PI data. Right. Um, and so we can only say that because we have been, again, just super focused on the technology side, we've never cut a corner. And so we can do a SOC 2 certification and say, yeah, we never, I, right. I'm the CEO of the company and I cannot see merchant data. Right. Um, I, I can't see anything because we because that's how good our sort of compliance, security, and technology is. And so when we went into PayPal and they, you know, you can you can imagine as a public company, they did a lot of diligence, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they were super impressed with what they saw, um, which enabled that sort of opportunity for us. So I really again, I think just what separates us is the technology. And I, I'm trying not to harp on that, but it, I think it's so important for merchants to understand that as we move everything more and more online, everything is happening online, online only happens, right? And is only powered by technology. And so if you're building solutions or building um, teams that are not you know, savvy to that, or they're not focused on how do we solve these problems at, at true scale, it's gonna be difficult, right? If you do grow um, and if you don't grow, well, you're not going anywhere anyways. So. I think that's for us the thing is the technology is something that we we always come back to and has has always delivered and I think really good partners recognize that and and want to continue to invest in that. You do, and I think PayPal definitely are famous for their due diligence and for picking winners. So if they've done a deep dive on your technology, um, I think uh, I think we can take you at your word, Adrian. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Strong USP for you. J- jumping to another area of, of the business, which may also be potentially a, a USP, at the risk of a, a potentially sensitive question, how, how do fees work in your business? How do you actually uh, make money? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And um, it's not that sensitive. Um, I think that I, before I get into it, I think that the, the world of chargebacks, like I said, is the last mile. And so if you think of it like in a house, right, uh, you're, you know, fixing up a house or whatever, there's always like the piece that you are the least comfortable knowing or familiar with. And I think for a lot of people that's like plumbing, right? It's like, you know, you might. Yeah, sorry, Arjun, you're going you're gonna to make a great, a great uh, allegory here. I moved into a new apartment three months back. Beautiful apartment. We've fully decorated it from scratch. I've learned all about chimney stacks and plastering <laughs> and different paints. Yeah, right. The plumbing yeah. is a nightmare. Yeah. Uh, and it's a mystery, right? Like I don't yeah. know what to do. Even the plumbers, I've two different plumbers over. Yeah, um, they all have their philosophies about how water flows, right? <laughs> yeah, go on though. That's it's it's very pertinent to me, but you please continue. No, no, it's really true. And I I think of chargebacks like kind of like plumbing in that like it's important. No one wants to deal with it. And anytime you ask people in the industry, everyone gives you kind of their version of it and none of it makes a hundred percent sense. And that's not like a knock on anyone. It is, it is purposefully kind of not purposely, but it, it is opaque, right? It's an, it's a really old system, right? It was designed for an internet 40, you know, 30 years ago or whatever. Um, and so, you know, I think that like um, kind of when I think about that and I think about, uh, pricing and fees and, you know, charging people for this, right. Again, to use the plumbing analogy, sometimes you, you work with a plumber and, uh, everything is very clear and you're happy to pay whatever, you know, they charge you. 
But a lot of times uh, you kind of walk away and you're like, wait, I, I paid all this money and you know, the faucets are still leaking. Yes. Right. Or, or I paid a lot, a little bit of money and you know, everything's working great, but does that mean there was never a problem in the first place? Right. Um, and so when we think about that, um, that's, I, th I think about that a lot. Maybe it's because my dad is a contractor. So, uh, but um, when we, so when we think about pricing, we go to the merchant and we're always like, look, we, sh we need to be driving ROI for you. At the end of the day, our business should be making you money, right? Should be recovering lost revenue and we should be outperforming whatever you're currently doing. Um, and one of the easiest ways to do that is to charge uh, what we call pay to perform, which is, you know, we take a percent of whatever we win. Um, so this makes it relatively easy to go to merchants big and small and say, if we don't perform, you, we cost you nothing, right? We, we don't cost anything to sort of get up and running. There's no maintenance fees. There's no fixed fees. It's just, if we perform for you, we take a, you know, an agreed upon cut, um, and we grow together. Right. And we're always then aligned with you and incentivized to win as much as possible and, you know, maximize your recovery. Um, and if you if you start from there with the conversation around price and fees, um, it makes it so much easier. Right. To talk about what, what we consider, honestly, the more important things, which is like, what are the goals for the org? Like, what are we trying to get to? Are you worried about quadrupling growth in a year because like you know we can we can talk to you about how we can help with that or are you stable and looking to sort of maximize you know some other aspects of your business like we mentioned with customer service or um you know fulfillment or whatever and here's how we can help with that here's how we can use technology and extend you there or are you worried about compliance and security and gdpr or you know ccpa or whatever um, we can help with that. Here's how, here's how we deliver value there as well. And so again, we always want to get quickly to a place on price with the merchant where it's, a, it should be a no brainer. You know, we should be making money, right? We should be getting, um, our fee because we're delivering value. Um, but we should never be costing the merchant more than what they're doing now. And it's, it's an easy calculus. It's how much does it cost you to fight your chargebacks today? And how much do you win today versus how much are we, you know, going to project out that we're going to win and what is our fee, right? And if you don't believe us, right, like you said, like maybe it's too good to be true, we'll just run a pilot and we'll just find out together, right? And we can we can talk about it at the end of the pilot. For me, it's just so much easier to have those conversations more honestly and just try to get to on the same page because we're not trying to win your business for like six months or whatever, right? We want to be like we want to fix the plumbing, right? We want to be that solution for a long time. Yep, like it. So in, in layman's terms, um, if a company is losing 100 grand a year on chargebacks, you say you can reduce it by say 50%, that's a 50 grand saving, and you agree to take X of that 50 grand saving as a fee. Exactly. Yep, beautiful. Love it. Um, we're rounding up the time, Adrian. I want to end on one question. I think 2021 is looking like a very exciting year for your company. Why don't you uh, paint for us quickly some of the, the big things you're looking forward to as a, as a leader of your company? Yeah, well, so I mean, I think quickly on 2020, right? 2020 was, was obviously a terrible year for uh, everyone uh, on a human level. 
Um, and, you know, I, I, I would not, if I could go back and trade charge hound success for the human level, I would definitely do that. I, I don't think that, um, that's, you know, it, it's unfortunate, but for us, I think that the silver lining is that transactions really did speed up online and it really pushed a lot of merchants to think about the future of online transaction. And that really put ChargeHound in a, in a conversation with a lot of merchants. Um, and so we grew exponentially this year, um, you know, uh, beyond what I could possibly have projected. You know, we, we've, we've tripled our revenue every year since inception and, and last year was, was, uh, was no exception. Um, and so what I think about with 2021 is that 2020 was sort of the year that we really validated and certified, hey, we're, we're not just a, a cool start, cool new startup, right? We're not just the, the new kid on the block or whatever. Uh, we are a legitimate enterprise level company. We have, you know, enterprise controls in place. Again, compliance and security now more than ever so important, but also the ability to scale. So 2020 really was sort of a, a coming out party or welcome party for us. And so 2021 is really going to be about cementing our, our place um, through a bunch of strategic partnerships, um, key accounts, um, rapid expansion across the globe where we're servicing, you know, hundreds of like almost 200 currencies right now. Um, so I think you're just going to see more, more of us uh, for better or worse uh, more of us uh, out there. And um, I think we're going to be able to do some really powerful, interesting things with what is now probably the largest third-party data set on um, dispute data on the planet. Amazing. We'll, uh, we'll leave it on that note. Um, payments partners, merchants, job candidates, how should they get in touch? Um, they can definitely just go to the website, www.chargehound.com. They can also, uh, hit me up, Adrian at chargehound.com. Um, and, uh, you know, we can go from there and we're all, we're all on LinkedIn. So that's always a good place. Adrian Sanders, CEO of Chargehound. Thanks very much for your time, Adrian. That's the first podcast of, of 2021. So, uh, we're ah, out. Thanks. Uh, it's an honor. Lewis, thank you so much for, for, uh, having me. Fantastic. Bye for now. Take care. Thanks for listening. And we'd like to leave you with a more serious message from our partner, Free a Girl, who are dedicated to founding child prostitution and impunity all over the world. Hi, I'm Eveline, CEO and founder of Free a Girl. Every day, two million children, especially girls, are being held captive worldwide. They are locked up and exploited in brothels, dance bars, or online, forced into sexual exploitation. Their freedom is taken away together with their youth, family, and future. We are dedicated to fight sexual exploitation of children by rescuing these girls. Please join us, unlock their freedom, and unlock your potential by becoming a business partner. Please visit freegirl.com for more information. Thank you.